What's up, Coach Nation? Coach Kale here to talk to you about seeing life upside down with a set of brothers who have cornered one sixteenth of the market of NFL long snappers, Reed Ferguson of the Buffalo Bills and his younger brother, Blake Ferguson of the Miami Dolphins. Though their paths were different to the NFL, with Reed being an undrafted free agent and Blake being a draft pick, both have found ways to leverage their NFL platforms to help younger athletes. They've even got a new podcast that just dropped, and I highly recommend you subscribe to it right now. That's After the Snap Podcast to hear more candid stories with Reed and Blake. Also, side note, congrats to Reed on recently becoming a daddy. Congrats. Enjoy. Welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, an audio masterclass on how to move the needle on your performance and impact as an athlete, parent, or coach. Here's your host, Coach Cahill. So, uh, so how did long snapping find you guys? Most kids don't grow up dreaming about being a long snapper. Uh, and it's often more something that you stumble into rather than like think about when you're five or six years old playing on the schoolyard. Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, when I was going, I started playing football in fifth grade and um, I was a tight end and defensive end and wasn't really playing uh, either uh, because I was the slow, the slow white kid. Um, so, you know, I, I was not super athletic, but, um, you know, I was, I, I almost stopped playing football after my seventh grade year. Um, just cause I, you know, three years, wasn't really seeing the field a ton. Uh, and I was playing on the feeder team in middle school, um, through, you know, that fed up to, to the high school, but, uh, my dad and my coach talked me into playing one more season. Uh, just to give it a try before I cut, you know, cut the cord and didn't play in high school. So came back for eighth grade season and turns out the kid that was playing up, uh, he was a year younger than everybody, but he was playing up on the eighth grade team. He uh, was the center and the snapper and he got hurt real early, maybe before the season. And uh, my dad kind of came up, he approached me and was just like, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a spot open. Uh, You know, why don't we kind of practice at it and give it a try and see if it's something that can get you on the field. And that's kind of what, you know, blossomed into where we are now. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of camps, a lot of traveling to camps, a lot of, uh, a lot of early morning practice out of the garage, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, morning practice, afternoon practice, YouTube videos, um, the, 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 the snapper that went to the high school that we were feeding, the, that the feeder team was with, he had a scholarship. So, uh, to Tulane, I believe. So he would give Tulsa. us some Tulsa. Tulsa. Sorry, he would give us some advice and some pointers and stuff here and there. And I snapped in eighth grade, uh, snapped and and kind of started from then on uh, throughout high school and then LSU and now here for going on six years in Buffalo. So um, that was the the injury to the other kid. You know, as, as harsh as that is for him. Uh, it was, it was, Mysterious uh, circumstances. yeah, exactly. So that's kind of how we stumbled, stumbled onto it. And Bla- you know, Blake can share his story, but I think he started when he was in seventh grade. I came out of the womb wanting to long snap. I didn't dream of playing any other position. No, I'm just kidding. That needs I, to be fact-checked. <laughs> that was, I was like, man, that'd be the first time I've ever heard that. This, uh, this tweet is, uh, disputed. This information is disputed. No, um, <laughs> I started long snapping in seventh grade shortly after Reed began having some of his success 
playing the long snapper position. I saw the interest that he was getting from college coaches and just seeing the fact, seeing the, I guess the, the parallel between us, we are brothers and he is not the most athletic. I am not the most athletic. And we were like, well, we got to find our niche somehow. And for us, that niche was in long snapping. We have a very specific craft that we both take a lot of pride in and it's, I mean, it's worked out for both of us and um, don't get me wrong. It, it has not been easy. It's, it's been a grind. It's been hard. There have been days where, you know, we, we don't want to put in the work to be the best, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we got to grind it out, baby. We have a, we have a drive to, we both have a drive inside of us to be the best at what we do. And I think that that was instilled in us by our parents um, that whatever, you know, whatever you do, be the best at it. And, um, and so we just, you know, took that and kind of ran with it. And in, in college, my, when I got to college and Reed was a senior, we kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you know, this, this is possible. Like we could both end up in the NFL. Reed was, Reed was a senior at LSU and he was getting a lot of serious looks from, from scouts. And, you know, I knew that if I stayed on, stayed on track and, and was, you know, continuing, continuing to make progress and doing what I did, I could end up there too. And so we, you know, that we made that our goal. And from the beginning, our goal was, all right, we want to play on Friday nights. We want to play high school football on Friday nights. How do we, how do we get there? And then it became, okay, we want to play on Saturday nights. How do we, how do we get there? And then Sundays, obviously when, when we were in college. So. Gotcha. And so, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. I had, I grew up with two brothers uh, as well. And, you know, parent, my mom wanted all girls. She got all guys. Um, and uh, I, I guess it worked what, out for the best. can you guys describe what uh uh, i guess how did your parents how how did your upbringing impact who you are as athletes and and people um i think the first thing that comes to mind is just a uh a real drive and a real um understanding of hard work and where that can get you in life, um, you know, no matter what the circumstances are, because I think as Blake alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, it's not, nobody has an easy path to success and you're going to hit road bumps. You're going to hit obstacles and you're going to have people and, and things in your way that you need to adapt and, and learn to adapt and learn to adjust so that you can um, get by those and, and stay on your track to stay on your road to success uh, but I think, you know, our, our, my, our mom has worked for Coca-Cola for Blake. I don't know, 30, some 33 years, maybe 35, 35 years. 35 yeah. years. Um, but she's, you know, as we were growing up, you know, we went through uh, in 08, you know, with the market crash and everything. And they, you know, she's, she, because she, worked hard and, and she showed us that she worked hard at her job and she was very good at her job and, and it was very time consuming and all that. She made it through a couple different reorgs as they, you know, with, with the company and, and her part of the company. So 
Uh, I think it, you know, we, and we saw that and we understood that. And, and same thing with our dad, he's been, he's been successful wherever he's been uh, at a lot of the different companies. He, he, he's worked for finance companies, for construction companies. I mean, you name it, he's, he's done, uh, you know, he, he's worked for a lot of different um, types of businesses and he's been successful wherever he's been. And I think that's just a testament to how they, how they go about their life and, and giving us a good example to follow behind them. And I think that that directly feeds into how we approach our, uh, our football lives on and off the field. Yeah, I would, I would just kind of echo that in that, you know, people tend to, um, people tend to imitate what they see. And for us, that was, that was our parents. They, they worked hard. They both had full-time jobs. They both came to every single game. They were, they were there and they were pushing us to, to be the best despite any obstacle that we might've had. You know, um, I have had a significant amount of adversity in my career uh, just with being type one diabetic and just different obstacles that come along with that. Injuries. And, injuries you know I've, I've had two back surgeries in my career and that's you know I'm, I refuse to allow that to stop me from achieving the, the goals that I have for myself and you know Reed has had his fair share of adversity as well surgery and you know surgeries in high school and things like that that um, that could have um, that others might have allowed to be a hindrance we use those um, to, to help us sort of springboard and use that adversity to our advantage. Sure. And it, you know, when you think about your, the, how you speak about your parents, consistency is like what I'm hearing. And it, it's interesting. You cannot think of a position that demands more consistency than that of a long snapper. If you do your job well, you're like a ninja. Nobody knows you were ever on the field. You're like a ghost, but if something goes wrong immediately, you know, they're going to see that. Um, you guys mentioned uh, kind of in passing some adversity you've been through. Um, and I think what really great athletes tend to do is they find a way to kind of leverage the adversity to find longer term success. So was there a specific moment of failure or frustration that you encountered that you that you feel set you up that it stunk in the moment, but it set you up for later, longer term success? Like, I'll let you take that one first. Um. I would say two things. Um, one of them would not be a failure per se, but it's, it's what I alluded to earlier, just with, with being diabetic and, and all of the things that come along with that. I wanted to use that more as a platform to um, spread awareness and to encourage young people with the disease that there's nothing about it that can hold you back from attaining any goal that you have for yourself, whether it's athletically, academically, uh, in music, whatever it is, you know, there's nothing about the being diabetic that can, can hold you back. And so that would be number one, uh, number, sorry about that. Number two, um, number two would be my 2017 season was my, that was my second season snapping at LSU. And I just overall, I was not happy with my performance throughout the season. I, my consistency was way off. I, my, I felt like my accuracy was not where it needed to be. And I just didn't feel good about my performance that year. And um, throughout that off season, I kind of went through this 
like mental space where I was, you know, I wasn't confident in, in who I was as an athlete. I had sort of lost kind of who I was and, and this confidence that I had about myself because I, I never walked into a game nervous or I never, you know, I had played, I felt like I had played in some big games and, and then all of a sudden I'm like questioning everything about who I am as an athlete. Um, and then, you know, I just, I, I, I went back to the basics and, and rewrote down my goals and told myself over and over and over again, who I was and, and why I was doing what I do, because that's the only way that you're going to get through the tar the tough times that come with being an athlete is by remembering why you started in the first place. And so that was, that was kind of, um, the failure that I, that I have, um, you know, experienced. And those are the sort of the two things that have continued to, to drive me. Just a quick follow-up on, because I'm curious, we might have some listeners who have diabetes or know somebody who might be an athlete who has it. Um, I guess, how did you find out that you had it? Um, and then secondly, what was maybe like one or two of the, the biggest lifestyle changes, not even just being an athlete, but just like being a regular, trying to go yeah. about your daily life. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I was diagnosed, I was in eighth grade. I was halfway through my eighth grade year. I was, it was 2011 and I was 14 years old. And during, when you're 14 years old, you should not be losing weight. I lost close to 15 pounds. I was thirsty all the time, which is very common with high blood sugar, literally like waking up multiple times throughout the night because I have to go to the sink and like drink from the faucet, like in my bathroom. It was wild. Uh, and then I had some other weird symptoms that eventually we, we went to the doctor and our, it was our, like our family physician that we went to and he ran some blood tests and it came back. My blood sugar was like seven times what it's supposed to be right now. Um, and so then they were like, all right, we need you to, we need you to come back in for a fasting blood sugar in the morning to see, mm -hmm. like, we need to double check this. And sure enough, it was like 400 something. And, um, and so they sent me to the hospital. Uh, I was there for about a week and my life was completely changed, but my mom likes to tell it, tell the story all the time about on the way to, from the doctor's office to the hospital, she looked over and I was on my phone I was looking at, um, it was a Google search and I was looking at famous athletes with type one diabetes. And that was for me, that was my reassurance that I was going to be able to play professional football because that was all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional football player and that was sort of the reassurance for me. And so I, I was very fortunate to have a couple of role models and, and people that were very good to reach out to me and that had diabetes and that were athletes. And, um, and so that was, that was what, you know, continued to push me and, and convince me that I would be able to do what I wanted to do. And then, you know, now I want to be that person for young people who are questioning the same thing as they've, you know, become diagnosed with the same disease or, um, or, or are going through tough times with, with type one. Yeah, sure. And it's definitely a curveball. I mean, it's, it's hard enough being a young person anyway. And then like you chuck diabetes yeah. into it and then it's, you know. Yeah. And I, I will say on the, um, you, you kind of asked about lifestyle changes and I'm very fortunate because most of my football career at this point now is, has been with type one diabetes. I started playing ball in fourth grade. So I, I experienced four years of football with, without the diet, without diabetes. And I've played 10 years since. 
And so I, the majority of my career has been with, with type one. So I, um, it's kind of second nature now where, you know, I don't really have to even think about it. It's I'm, sure. I, I just, I roll with it and it's a daily battle. Don't get me wrong, but it's something that I've done it for so long that I know my body well enough that I, I can usually predict the things that are going to happen and I can stay ahead. So, gotcha. um, but I'm, I'm counting every carb that I put in my body. Um, I'm, you know, I have to calculate the insulin that I need on a daily basis. I'm wearing a, I wear an insulin pump that gives me the insulin, but I also wear a continuous glucose monitor that tells me my blood sugar real time, 24 hours a day, I, I can look at it on my phone. And so, um, you know, that's been super helpful for me to have the, that kind of technology at my, at my fingertips, literally. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I have done it for so long that it's become second nature. And, and for those listening who, you know, may have diabetes or have somebody that they know with diabetes, there's, um, you know, there are a lot of challenges that come along with it, but the, the technology now allows, you know, us the flexibility to do what we want to do and not really have to even think about it again, because, you know, it's, it's always there and, and it's so reliable and consistent now that it's, you know, you don't even sure. have to, you don't have to second guess it. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, it's definitely important. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of kids who do have it, who, you know, even now, like they, they probably feel like, you know, why I mean, it's good to yeah. hear that story. For and it's sure. super intimidating. It's super sure. intimidating when you are diagnosed with it. Cause you're like, I don't even know, you know, I knew one person growing up and we knew her through, through church. Um, we knew one person growing up and I didn't really even know like what it was or, or what, like, you know, what was going on with my body. And um, so it can be very intimidating, but you know, once you take a step back and, and understand what's going on, you're, you become very thankful that it wasn't something worse that could be potentially life-threatening. Sure. Reed, sorry about that. No, you're good. So um, <laughs> the two things came to my mind. Uh, one was uh, going through, you know, once I started going to camps, uh, Chris Rubio was the guy that ran the camps, the snapping camps around the country, uh, different regions of the country too. But um, once I started going to, to the camps, I was, I kind of fluctuated between, you know, the top in the, within the top five uh, ranked guys, you know, pretty consistently after every camp, me and a couple of the guys that I was close with, we were always close to the top. Uh, and then later on in high school, I don't, I don't remember, I don't recall when he came into the picture, but his name's Scott Daly. Uh, he was, uh, he, he showed up at one of the camps that we were, that we, uh, that, that we were at and he kind of, after a couple, you know, we met each other, got to know, he got to know everybody, but he quickly became, you know, the number one ranked guy. He was kind of who everybody was chasing. And, um, at, at the end, you know, when high school ended final rankings and everything, I was the second best. And that kind of that and the fact that, uh, the other thing that came to my mind, uh, was when I was, a lot of the snapping camps took place spring and summer, obviously that I could attend because in the fall you were playing, uh, you know, football on Friday nights and stuff. So, you know, sometimes I'd have to ask the, you know, our head coach, you know, Hey, can I maybe miss a workout because I need to go to a camp or, you know, I have to miss Saturday meetings or something because I have to go, you know, there's a camp that I'd like to go to in Georgia or wherever. 
And it was, it was hard to get them to kind of uh, believe that I took snapping this seriously and that I was that good at it because they didn't, you know, most coach, most coaches at that level have no idea. You know, they're, they're just like, uh, you know, go, you know, go snap on the side, take care of it yourself and, you know, make sure you do it right in practice or in the game or whatever. And I think that they, they just didn't know how, how serious Blake and I took it. I think it was a little better for Blake because they let, they gave him a little more lenience, but uh, for me, you know, that well, they, they saw, they saw the success that you had had and they understood right. you know, what we, right. the, why exactly. we were doing this in the first place. So they, they began to saw that see value in that because of, you know, what right. you went through. Sure. So the other thing that stuck with me apart from, you know, being ranked second, you know, when, obviously we all think we're the best, but the, my, my coach told me one day when I was talking to him about going to camp, he said, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what you're doing, think, you know, going all these camps and stuff. I think that you, you would be fine just like going to a military school and snapping while you're, while, you know, attending the air force or something. And it just stuck to me because it's like, you know, that, that seemed like the easy way out. Um, because every year, a lot of these schools, Air, Air Force comes to mind because that's the one we know of guys that went to, but they would take in a couple specialists every year. It's kind of like, it was kind of like a fallback plan almost. And it's just like, you know, if, if, you know, he, he was, it just stuck with me because I don't think he, re, he never recognized how serious we took it. And the fact that we put in so much practice, not at the high school. Uh, that they that the coaches obviously you know didn't see um and it and it hurt a little bit because obviously we believe we both believed in ourselves to make it as you know exactly where we are doing what we're doing today sure. uh, but it, it you know in terms of things that drove me to kind of get to this position I think those two uh, definitely pushed me to get where where I am today and Blake Blake as well sure well I mean and to echo that experience. I mean, there's so many, uh, I've worked with kickers and punters and, you know, it, it almost always like some of the kids that are like intrinsically the best individual specialists are like coupled with football programs that just could care less about that. It's like, man, like you were sitting on and, and, you know, it's funny, like, honestly, if you have a really good long snapper and a mediocre kicker, you're still going to have a really good field goal operation and you could probably find a kid to kick a 40 yard field goal. Um, and what keeps a lot of kickers off the field, like I found at least at the high school level is not really like the kicking ability. It's the stubbornness of the coach in, and their unwillingness to try to develop a snapper. You know um, it's yeah, like, they, they line the everybody up. Practice. They I'm line sorry. everybody up after practice Yeah, and they just figure out, Hey, who, hey, who can long snap? And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you got your long snapper. There's no, right it's it's like it's like car insurance like the, the time to get it is before the accident That's exactly um, right but um man and and so okay so now that you guys have kind of been on this parallel path with with reed taking all the hits and then blake kind of coasting through behind no i'm just kidding um, oh he was a trailblazer i will i will you know i, I tried set to that, set a good example i want to set that record straight because he did he did blaze a trail that made it a lot easier on me and you know I hope to have paved a, a nice trail for the guy that came behind me and sure. you know, he's, at, he's at LSU now. So, really? uh, but yeah, for sure. Reed, Reed was the one clearing out the, 
clearing out the brush and, you know, and, and, and sweeping everything away so that I could follow suit behind them. And it's, and it's an interesting dynamic to see, like, you know, your personalities are, are unique. Um, I guess who's the, obviously I got to ask it, like, who's the better snapper? Lead the fifth. <laughs> we both have, uh, I'd say we both have different advantages to our game. Okay. Well, what would very, be I mean, advantage? admittedly, we are both because he, because Blake followed me so closely, mm-hmm um at such a young age uh i think that i mean we're both very similar snappers technique form the way the ball flies back like it's all very very similar so it's you know we jokingly get asked that a lot yeah during pretty much, pretty much stuff, every interview that we do <laughs> yeah i mean but but oh, I, I don't know if you'll I'll ever get a straight in. You don't, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoy it. I mean, I always like to see what, you know, what we can come up with, but uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think we're both, we're both very good and I hope we both play for a very long time. Sure. I think we both have the talent to do it. Yeah. And, and so what, what was, um, I guess, what was it like adjusting from the college to the professional game? Well, I guess, um, well, I'll do two things that, What's the biggest difference between from high school ball to college ball as a snapper and then, you know, college to pro? I'll take, I'll take that one. Um, just because I've, I've been through it more recently. I think from high school to college, the game is just so much faster. The crowds are massive. It, it's very intimidating going from playing in front of maybe a couple thousand at a high school game to playing in front of 102, you know, on the road, and so I think, I think everything surrounding the, the game is what is what's the biggest difference because the, the actual long snapping itself was the same. Like you have no responsibility other than to snap the ball and run down the field and make a tackle and be semi-athletic doing it. Just don't get juked out and fall on your butt. Like that's, that's really all that they ask is in there, to, done like, that. Is to like make the guy go – that way like not upfield to score a touchdown uh and so that's probably the biggest thing from high school to college from college to the nfl there's different rules for the punt team where nobody can leave the line of scrimmage except for the gunners until the ball is kicked and so because of that snappers have to protect you have a blocking responsibility now and you know i'm i'm looking at guys across the line from me and boom, there's Aaron Donald. And I'm like, wow, you know, if, He's if, big. He, if, if they're not in punt safe right now and they're actually rushing this punt, I have to block him. And that's my responsibility. Cause he's, you know, he's my four on, on the, you know, on that side. And so, um, what was that, that like? That's, that's crazy. It's, it's, you know, it makes you think twice about why you're standing on the same field as him, but no, I, I, I kid, <laughs> But I seriously did. We, when we played the Rams, he was, you know, he was my he was my four, and I was like, wow, I really am praying that, you know, my guard is able to give me a good, you know, good post, some hand help, and and yeah. praying that he doesn't try to block this punt because, you know, could be could be weird. But it's a lot of man. Um, yeah, it's yeah, and he's like made guys like twice my size look dumb, and so I can only imagine what he would have done to me. I say all that to say that it's just different because now you have to, not only do you have to snap, 
you know, and, and, and that's a big stage. Every game in the NFL is a, is a huge game, but you have to snap and then you immediately have to get your head up. And first of all, you have to find who you're blocking, who you're supposed to be blocking. And then you have to get in front of them and block them. And they're running as fast as they can to block this pun. So it's, it's, it's a little daunting and it's just a, it's just a transition that you have to go through as you make it into the NFL. And it's hard. Like Reed, Reed was telling me all last spring when we were training together, like it, it seems hard now, but you don't understand, like you, it's going to take you getting beat over and over and over and over again to figure out how to do this. Like you're going to have to figure it out by, by trial through fire. No substitution for live reps. No, there, and there's not like you, like we were training in the gym, especially at our position, we were training in the gym and there's only so much that, you know, Reed can, Reed can do when we're snapping on air and, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn how to do this protection thing. But, you know, once I get into training camp, it's a whole different beast. And so that's big. That's the biggest transition. I mean, the snaps are the same. The, the guy's still at right. 15 yards. The guy's still, the, the holder is still at eight yards. Well, I guess seven to eight, depending on what you do in college, we did eight in college. So it, it didn't matter, but um, seven to eight yards for, for field goals. And, you know, the aim, the aiming spot is the same. And so the snap is still the same, but the, the protection responsibility is probably the biggest thing I would say. Right. And you guys are big, you guys are big dudes, like, you know, compared to the average person. And then like other snappers I've met, I'm like, dang, like I'm pretty, I'm only like five ten. But then like when I see them on TV next to like, you know, some DNs, I'm like, okay, they look average. But, yeah. It's, it's funny. Kind of like, like the point guards on a basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody we're out there with is usually bigger than us. <laughs> and, and so for you, Reed, what was the, um, you know, in your transition from college to pro, what was like probably the most difficult thing that you encountered? Yeah, I think, uh, and I tried to, well, my dad and I tried to push Blake a little more than I think I pushed myself when I was still in college, but uh, taking some time just his last couple years to prep mentally and physically mm-hmm. uh like his blocking steps and stuff like that just to just to be prepared um because like i said there's no there's no substitute for getting live reps and getting beat and you don't you don't know what that feels like until it actually happens sure and what when you're when you're in college and you're sitting there you know on the side of practice you know after you're done with the team stuff and you go off to the side and you're like okay i'm gonna practice some some of my blocking steps and you snap and you block and you're like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting back pretty fast. And then you, you do that same thing. You take that six months later into a training camp or an OTA and a guy is lined up on the other side. Uh, some guy that's probably not even going to make the team and he beats you. Right. And it's like, well, I thought I was going fast, but not fast enough. And right. so it's really, it was, it was uh, definitely a wake up call. Um, when, when I got here, just, just, uh, just to kind of go up against live reps and kind of see that, see that look from college to pro. Cause that was the block. Like Blake said, the blocking was the biggest change. The snapping is, is generally the same. Uh, the only real difference I think for me was the field goals. Cause we did seven ish yards in college when I was there and, you know, moving to eight. So having, I don't hold the laces when I snap field goals, uh, just so the laces are are pointed right when the catcher holds it, so that was that was a, a, a little bit of an adjustment. 
but the blocking is definitely far and away the 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 biggest adjustment that I needed to to make uh just it's not you know the the block it, it's sorry I'm, I'm this is a run-on sentence but the the blocking itself like the blocking steps is one thing but also it is definitely a skill to be able to sit there in your stance with your eyes up and be able to read the defense sure. and be able to read tendencies and uh, lean and what foot the guy has up and and are his knuckles white you know whatever that may be it, uh, does he look like he's gonna cross my face is he tilted at me you know whatever that may be that that's definitely a skill that I have learned over the years because it is very hard to pick up from the get-go because you're focused on so many other things your 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 first game out there you're just worried about getting it back to the punter and not snapping it over his head you know, now I'm not so much worried about the snap because I'm confident enough in my ability to get it back there. I'm more worried about making my block correctly. So I don't screw the other guys on my punt team. Right. But yeah, that was a and long that's something, answer. But. That's something too, that, you know, as you, as even as I went through my rookie year, like you were right, Reed, my first game in Foxborough against the Patriots who are a, widely known punt rush team they're not a punt return team um they come after punts and so that being my first game i was like holy cow like this is like this is real like this is this is real right. and um and so you know that obviously that those moments were going really really fast and we would go out there and we'd they'd send the punt team out and then and it would be over in a split second and now you know i got 16 games under my belt and I, I you know now I'm a wily veteran um but um whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. game game 16 <laughs> that was that was joking obviously um game 16 was you know I'm I'm able to understand what they're doing I'm able to see okay his you know his back foot is his back foot is his close is his close foot to me so I know that he's he, he may be coming across my face because he's in a stance that that he could reach and, and come across. And I, I need to be ready for that to be able to come back with it. And right. just, just small things like that, that, that you don't even like, I would have, I would have never even been able to read that in training camp or game one. It, it's a process. Right, you trying and, to survive and, game one. It's a process and letting the game slow down to the point where you can see those types of things. And, and obviously read being going into year six, six, year six, he's, he's much better at, at doing that because he's seen, that sure. many more reps he's seen 16 times times five plus some playoff games here and there so um you know it's that's one of those things when the, about like when you ask who's who's the better snapper i'm gonna i'm gonna say he is because he's had more more experience and he's been doing it a lot longer sure so. and uh the next question would be thanks how do you guys how do you get out of your own way like it's a solitary position there's they don't usually carry two snappers in camp or at least for very long um most snappers are really good but the guys who know how to get out of their own way usually are the ones who excel um how do you self-reflect or do you have a self-reflection practice um where like are you journaling are you praying are you meditating everybody's kind of got their own little thing but i guess when you feel like you're getting gunked up inside your own head how do you get out of it that's a great question uh 
but Blake and I are both, you know, we grew up going to church. So I think the religious part of it is definitely uh, present. Uh, especially, I mean, I speak for myself. It definitely is. Uh, I know after games, uh, we, we both like to attend the, the, uh, the midfield prayer circle. So I think that that kind of keeps, keeps it all in perspective, but um, I, I don't, I know a lot of guys that do, I say a lot, I know a handful of guys that do journal uh, that, that does help them. I have, I tried a couple years ago to do meditation and I, I just didn't, I didn't think that it uh, helped me as much as, as I expected it to, just cause I think a lot of guys hyped it up to me um, before I had started it. But uh, I think one thing that I like to do is just to, kind of sit by myself every week and reflect on like at the end of the week on a, on a Friday or a Saturday, I like to reflect on just the practice week that I had and the, you know, the, the punt periods and the field goal periods and uh, just appreciate the fact that, I mean, this is going to sound so corny, just appreciate the fact that, that there's, that I'm doing one of 32 jobs. And I need to, I need to tell myself that not to take anything for granted, uh, because sometimes you get, sometimes you get lost playing this game uh, because you're surrounded by because it, it because you're surrounded by such materialistic personalities. I would say you get lost and you take it for granted that. Oh yeah, well, I'll be I'll be the snapper next year. I don't I mean I don't have to work that hard this offseason or you know whatever it may be. Um I think just taking like uh, sorry, this is a this is a, I'm this I hope this makes sense. Just taking a step back once a week mm-hmm. and realizing the position that I'm in and the fact that I'm going to play a game in 2 days and just just simply appreciating it. And prayer, you know, prayer comes with that. But I think um, just simple self-reflection for me, it kind of kind of gets the job done. And it's something that I think has worked for me for the past couple of years. But um, yeah, yeah but you I, need to do that every week to make sense of like yeah. what you did. If you never take a chance to step back, definitely you're not going to know you're not going to have your bearings. Yep. I think for me, I'm I'm a huge note taker. Like that's what I do. The oh, you muted yourself. Hold on one sec, Blake. Sorry. I didn't yeah, you're good. That. All those notebooks behind me are all full of notes. Um, oh, that's of awesome. Just that's got literally be like, like like in the last two years, like those exactly. have been filled. Just I, I'm constantly writing notes, and I had a pastor in college who his his kind of one of his catchphrases was was that note takers are difference makers, and. I want to be a difference maker in whatever I do, whether it's football, whether it's um, with my faith, whether it's with my work in type one diabetes, whatever I do in, in business later on in life, I want to make a difference. And, and to do that, you have to take notes so that you can look back and learn from the experiences that you've had. And sure. so I do something very similar with, with what Reed does uh, where I, you know, I look back at, okay, how did, how did this week go? And that's, it's more of a, I'm taking notes daily on, mm-hmm. you know, how I felt that day, how, how I performed that day. And, and then 
once the game is over, then I can look back and see how I performed in the game and compare that to how I felt that week in practice and that week just outside of football. If I, you know, if I'm not feeling great that week or if I have, you know, had a, had a tough week emotionally or spiritually, you know, that will sometimes be reflected in, in the way that I perform. And so I'm able to sort of see those side by side and I can, I can, you know, understand these things lead to these things. And so it's more of a, for me, it's more of, I, I I'm journaling, I'm, I'm taking down notes. I have different journals that I write my football stuff in versus my, you know, my, my, I do my quiet times. And, um, and so for me, it's, I'm kind of all over the place. It's, it's not a consistent, you know, I, I spend this much time looking at this and I spend this much time doing this. It's just, it's kind of on, on a daily, daily basis, how I'm feeling and, and what I, you know, what I want to want to write that day. And so um, that's kind of how I do it. I am pretty consistent with, you know, my reflection of that, but um, how, how I actually build my week is, um, is sometimes different. But I think that that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of research that, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, been there for 10 years. I mean, then, you know, physically writing out your thoughts slows down your, your processing of it. I had an English professor. He said once, uh, how will I know what I think until I see what I write? Um, and, but I think every guy has to figure out what is the thing that helps them relax and perform best. Like for you, it's note taking for read. It's that quiet reflection time for other guys. It might be meditation. It might be something else. Um, but I think for young kids, there's like a lot of like, you know, uh, it's really easy to poo poo like sports psychology and that stuff. Oh, I'm just going to grind it out or, you know, whatever. Our, sport, our sports psychologist has been huge. Yeah. Um, I don't think kids understand she, how big yeah. that is at the no. point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's massive. And te- awesome. I think teams that hire a full-time one, we, we had, we've had one for a couple of years now, but we got a new one last year, a new lady, Dr. Des, and she is phenomenal. And she had a big, um, I think she made a big difference for, we met with her as specialists once a week, individually and as a group. And I think that made a huge difference for us last year. Definitely. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, um, like uh who's another good like uh i don't know if you ever heard of uh bob rutella he wrote that book golf's not a game of perfect but you know he knows nothing about kicking but i think he's worked with like ryan Suckup and nick novak and those guys and um i mean golf kind of cross applies to specialists but um but yeah awesome guys well hey i wanted to um i got two more questions for you then we'll wrap up because you guys got workouts you got families you want to get back to so we'll go a little bit faster here um what uh, what what inspired you to start after the snap your podcast? What's your vision for that, and where can we find it? So this is something that has been a it's been a quick quick like thing that we've put together, but we knew for a while that we wanted to use the unique uniqueness of what we do in long snapping and in the fact that we're brothers in the NFL and we're the only brothers to ever be long snappers in the NFL. You've got the um, market cornered. You've, you're one sixteenth of the, right. <laughs> like, it's like a snapping cartel. 100%. That's right. Like, like it's, you know, how <laughs> can it get, how can it get any better? So um, <laughs> we knew that we wanted to do something. I'm, I'm very active on social media. Reed is very active on social media as well, but it's, it's something that we, through my TikTok and my Instagram, I can only tell so much of my story because 
people aren't going to watch, you know, a, a five minute clip on my Instagram. But if they want to be able to listen to my story and hear what I have to say, they're going to listen to it through a podcast. And so Reed's a big podcast listener. I'm a big podcast listener. And so we were like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And um, we've had some really good help in getting it all put together and getting a good quality product that we hope people will want to listen to. Um, it's called After the Snap. Uh, and it's tales from two brothers who live life upside down and it's going to be a weekly podcast that we release each thursday our our first release is tomorrow and who's your uh, who's your guest so for us it's not going to be it's not going to be guests every single time but we have um we do have some special guests that will come on and um we want we want people to come and listen to our podcast for us we want them to come because and listen to us because we have good quality stories to share and we have good quality content that we can can share with the public. And then on top of that, we have some cool friends that um, people will want to listen to as well. So uh, those will be fun, you know, to throw in every now and again. But for the most part, it's going to be it's going to be just us telling stories and um, our, our producer jumping in every now and then. So. Nice. Yeah, we can. Uh, so to finish that, uh, I think we're going to be on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, and Amazon. Kind of the three. I think that's the three. The three main ones where people can can find it. Uh, and like Blake said, first one releases this Thursday, April 29th, uh, in in the morning, I believe. Um, yeah. So that'll that'll be available tomorrow morning. Uh, but yeah, it'll be weekly every Thursday tomorrow. You know, our first one's a little bit of a draft, not so much a draft preview, but kind of draft stories, uh, our, how our training went, uh, you know, talking to teams, uh, private workouts, uh, you know, all, all the good stuff. So, um, yeah, we're, we're super excited. Uh, it's not, not as much, uh, long form interviewing as it is. Uh, you know, shorter content, 45 minute episodes. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we, we've got, we've got a ton of good, good content lined up, I think to, to at least get us uh, until we get into the football season. So, and we are going to continue it through the football season. Cause I think the goal, the goal for, for what, how, you know, when we were starting this, we wanted to take advantage of our platform. And I think the, the best way to do that is to continue through the season. Cause a lot of people that have talked to us about it and the, some of the people that were helping us, Hey, Hey, are you going to do this through the summer and the off season and just kind of take a break in the season? And I think they were surprised to hear that we wanted to do it through the season just because um, I, I guess they just assumed that, that we were just going to kind of focus, you know, solely on football. But I think uh you know, in, in respect to building our off the field brands, our personal brands as Blake and Reed Ferguson, I think that continuing it through the season uh, and kind of talking about hot topics or, you know, current events, whatever that may be, and, and including some, some football stories in there, you know, every now and then is, is going to continue to, to take us in the right direction. Sure. But I mean, I think, you know, at some point, like you, you want to, build your platform outside of football um you know it's there's no 80 year olds playing football still i mean as a snapper you can play quite a long time but um which 
which I think it, it's, I see guys like you doing this, other NFL athletes, other pro athletes are also doing that. Um, you know, you guys have an eye to life after football with this. Um, and then this is my, my last question for you guys. And then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, when the clock hits four zeros on your playing career, whenever that is, uh, and you're like a hundred years old and you're like telling your grandkids how awesome you used to be. Um, <laughs> what, what is the one thing you want people to take away from your story as an NFL long snapper? It's a great, great question. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, uh, I'm going to, and I'm going to take it from my personal perspective from guys that I've played with that I want to speak about in the same way is that I want people to say, you know, man, that guy was a great teammate in, in all facets of the game, whether it was getting, you know, watching film and, you know, you know, after practice, watching film before practice, uh, helping out on the practice field, talking through, you know, uh, looks and defenses and what, whatever that may be. And, and talking about life and having guys over to grill burgers and just stuff like that. Like I want to be, I want to be that guy that my teammates can, can count on in any situation and come to for any situation or any problems because they feel that I can provide some value to their life. And, um, you know, that's, I hope that I'm fulfilling that so far and, and I'd like to think that I am, uh, but I've, there, there's, there's a very small handful of guys that, fulfill that criteria that I have played with thus far that I feel that strongly about. So I want to, I want to put myself in, in that group of guys because I, I think so highly of them. I want people to do the same for me. Yeah. And I think mine is, is very similar to that in that I want people to look back on my career and look back on me as a teammate and say, man, that guy made an impact. And that that is not only making an impact on the field for the Miami Dolphins. I want people to say, man, he made an impact in his community. He made an impact on his future wife and kids. He made an impact on the guys in the locker room and the, you know, Mr. Hubert, who's taken out the trash and he's the one, you know, picking up after us in the locker room. And he made an impact on, you know, Mr. Gene and, you know, Miss, um, you know, everybody in the, everybody in the lunchroom, you know, he made a, he made an impact on Mr. Joe in the equipment room. Like I want people to look back on me and say, man, he made an impact. And, um, you know, in doing that, I have to lead by example so that, you know, when I, when I say something, people will listen because I first show that I I'm doing the right thing through my actions. the out thanks for listening to the coach cahill show if you found today's show inspiring or helpful please write us a review on apple podcasts or share the show with a friend reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today remember referrals are the best compliment <laughs>